Pastor Mark didn't tell you was he was my prayer partner for many, for a few years. And uh, one day he said to me, I want to be your Elisha, you can be my Elijah. And all the more carnal members of the team uh, nicknamed us Jar and Shah. Do you remember that? <laughs> Jar and Shah are getting together to pray. Well, we could have been doing a lot of worse things, uh, but uh, a lot of memories. You know, when you get older, you think back, there's a lot of memories. We used to have one girl used to come f- to youth every <laughs> Saturday night, but she was drunk. And one night we were leading worship. We're talking about loving Jesus. And she goes to pick up a, a big stool in the, in the uh, balcony. He's about to throw it over. And she hated Italians and policemen. And I just happened to be the Italian youth pastor. And one of the other volunteers was a policeman, so it wasn't a good night. And ended up in the foyer where we tried to stop her. And I'm now, um, I fall on top of her. Then her boyfriend falls on top of me. And we're on the ground. And she grabs my shirt and rips it. And we're trying to stop her from manifesting. And then I have to get up and do the altar call. And I had to borrow somebody's Youth Alive wind cheater. And uh, it was a bit small for me. It was Brian Wallage. You remember that? And I get up and I'm sort of like in this tight top saying, Jesus loves you. And I'm preaching. I've just been on the, in the back foyer having a fight with someone. And we're preaching about the love of Jesus. So it was, it was an interesting night. But she now lives on the Gold Coast. And it was only uh, three or four years back, got a phone call out of the blue. And she rang myself and um, Pastor Greg Johnson and said, um, you guys never gave up believing in me. My life is a mess. I've ended up in a horrible place because of my choices, but I want to thank you guys for never giving up on me. She's a taxi driver on the Gold Coast. So I'm hoping one day I'll bump into her, you know, and uh, not literally, but... uh, uh, (laughs) So we have many, many memories. This morning I was telling you how they asked me to tell dad jokes every time I preach, and my grandson, who's 16, my, uh, my my son Chris's youngest boy, uh, it was my birthday last week, and he said, um, I want to send you a, a, a joke, Nono. He said, my grandpa started walking five miles a day when he was 60. Now he's 97 years old, and we have no idea where the heck he is. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> so, so, now we've got teenagers looking at dad jokes, you know. So, but it, there we go. You know, I'm so encouraged by the Lord tonight because Pastor Mark got up here, had no idea what I'm about to share uh, and said, basically, you could have kept going. I could have had a night off. And, um, and that's how God works. You know, when he repeats himself, he doesn't have a speech impediment. He's actually trying to get a message across. And tonight, what I'm going to share, I'm making a huge statement. What I share tonight could change your life forever. Now, that's a big statement to make. And I can say it with authority because it changed my life forever. When you get to my age, you like to share the things that have worked. I don't want to just share ideas that might be good to think about. We want to share something that we know works. And I've entitled my message, Close Encounters. And I find as I look at Scripture that not a single person who had an encounter with Jesus stayed the same. No matter who it was, their life was changed. It happened because of proximity. 
Now, you said that word over and over, and it's right here in my introduction. One of the trendy words that's used today is mentoring or life coaching. On a plane, if I tell people I'm a life coach, which I do do that, say that, and I tell people that I'm a mentor, they open up their whole life to you. If you say you're a pastor, they sort of put their earpods on and they don't want to talk too much. But when I was growing up, and I'm so grateful for mentors like Pastor Fred, Pastor Andrew, was my spiritual dad and still is, and it's just so good to, to still have him around and very grateful for him, even though he's not that well, and we need to pray for him. We had mentors, and, but back then we were released and trusted to do the things. They recognized the call of God on our lives, and they released us. And we were so grateful for that. But I also discovered years later that we can have mentors in the Bible. We can have people in the Bible that become your mentors. They actually lead you. I don't have a mentor. Nobody's discipling me. Well, Jesus wants to. And I want to tell you, I'm not saying this as an arrogant statement that it sounds like it is. And I do counseling, so please don't misunderstand me. But I don't go to a lot of counseling because I've learned I have a divine counsellor. And in proximity with a divine counsellor, amazing things can happen. I have two of them in the Bible that are very, very dear to me. One in the area of pastoring. You know, we need to pray for pastors and leaders. It's a tough time. Pastors and leaders are going through anxiety and all kinds of stresses. The pandemic, many pastors, if they made one group happy, the other would be upset. You make this group happy, the other gets upset. And it was a difficult time, and I've had pastors in my home because I'm a pastor to pastors just crying their eyes out, saying, I don't know if I can keep going. I, can, I just don't know if I can keep doing this. I, if I gave you the statistics right now of pastors' resignations, it would be very, very sad. But we're not going to go down that track tonight. But when I went into the ministry and realized that this terrorist called the Apostle Paul, who was called Saul, who's attacking the church, has such an encounter with Jesus that he goes on and loves Jesus so deeply that he grows in that connection with his God and with his Jesus that in Romans, he becomes a theologian. In 1 Corinthians, a troubleshooter. In First and Second Timothy, a father mentor. In Galatians, a warrior. And in Philippians, the optimist, the greatest optimist. And pastors have to be all those things. You know, you get up and speak, oh, it wasn't deep enough teaching. My question is, is it reaching? You know, and so Paul became a great encouragement to me. You know, when he used to lose his cool, I used to think, man, I don't feel so bad now, you know. But there was another guy, and it was the Apostle Peter. And the Apostle Peter wasn't my mentor as a leader as much, although he was in many ways, but a leader as a human being. I found myself identifying with Peter. Tonight, we're going to look at the Peter of reason. The Peter, first of all, the Peter of revelation, the Peter of reason and the Peter of return. He was so incredibly impacted by Jesus. And yet the Bible doesn't hold back his imperfections. The Bible doesn't hold back the things that made Peter very human. 
let me tell you, there's people outside of this building dying to find a church that's very human and yet knows a God that can step into that humanity and bring us purpose in our lives. Peter, who was the leader of the 12 disciples, died a martyr, finished his race strong, died crucified upside down, and yet had many flaws. And what I want to share with you tonight is every one of us in this room lives with two postures. We live with two postures. We live with reason every day of our lives, and we live with revelation. And tonight I want to share with you how we can get victory in this area. When I was younger, I was quite black and white. And I used to look at Christians that didn't look like Christians, didn't behave like Christians, and I go, how can they be a Christian and behave like that? And I used to get really puzzled by it. And what I'm going to share tonight will give us some clarity, I believe. At the end of this meeting, I'm going to ask as many of you that want to come and kneel at this altar and ask Jesus to help you live a life of revelation. It's not just for Pastor Danny or special people that preach. It's for every believer. In fact, we should all live cold. Every Christian should live cold. And I want to tell you, God is speaking to you more than you know and you're not even aware of it. God is speaking, but we're just not sure whether it's Him. An Indian chief on the reservation was sitting one day talking to his grandson. And he says to his grandson, do you know there are two wolves that live inside of us and they actually fight each other. I'm sure some of you may have heard this. And the grandson said to the granddad, well, which one wins, granddad? He said, the one you feed. The one you feed is the one that wins. A few years ago, many of you know the story of our son, Michael, going through some horrible experiences, sins of his own doing, and I'm certainly not uh, here to defend anything other than to say a very, very broken boy. And I took him to Coffs Harbour to get some help to see a man called Ray Andrews. Some of you may have heard of him. Ray says to me, I also need to spend a day with you. And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not that bad. And why do I need a whole day, do I? I need to spend a day with you. And he says to me, never met me, had never met me in my life, knew very little about me personally. And he said to me, you're just like the Apostle Peter. And I go, really? I go, what does that mean? He said, well, I'm going to tell you. He said, and I'm going to tell you all the good things about you and all the bad things related to that personality type that you are. Well, I wanted to hear the good stuff. I wasn't so sure about the bad stuff. And he started with the good stuff. That's a smart thing to do. He said, you're a feeler-doer. You have high revelation. Now, I'd never met this guy before. You're very transparent. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You love people. You're very enthusiastic and emotional. And you don't mind delegating. I'm thinking, keep going. This is good. I, I'm starting to feel better. I, I, can you ring my wife and, and talk to her? And, and tell her. And he goes, but now let me share the other side. He said, you're impatient. You get annoyed easily. You always look for a quick fix. You don't wait for people to catch up. You're impulsive. You trust too quickly. And you carry guilt all the time. I burst into tears. It's a bit like the woman at the well. I found a man that knows everything about me. 
I rang my wife that night and said, can I read it to you? Can I read all this to you? And I said, let me read the negative. I said, is that me? And she just went, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh boy, I've got some work to do. And I realised way back then in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our problem, we could discover the purpose of God. Our pain doesn't have to be wasted. When we discover God in the midst of our pain and I started to work on things and I realised that when Danny feeds that negative side of him, the reason side of him, that Danny rules. There's two of me. I know it can look like that, but you know, <laughs> there's two of me. I got on the scales the other day and they said one at a time, please. So I thought I realised I've got to, sorry. It's my sugar diabetes. <laughs> I blamed it on that this morning. I think my sugars are too low. But um, I realised that the moment I removed myself from proximity, reason, Danny, starts to take over revelation, Danny. And when I saw this, now I've got to tell you this because it's so touching to me, is that I had a couple in my office a few weeks ago the husband says, look, I'm cheating on my wife, but we were separated at the time. And so I know God's okay with it. And he goes, I know, I know God's okay with it. And, you know, because I'm under grace. And I'm going, okay. And then I preached a message similar to this on reason and revelation. And the Holy Spirit opened his eyes. He rang me up and he said, I've sinned. I've been in deception. I didn't tell him. Holy Spirit did, comes to see me and breaks down. And to cut a long story short, just a couple of weeks ago, they went to Bali to renew their vows. And God has done a, a wonderful work in that situation. And he said to me, I, 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 I did say to him a few times, you've got to read your wife. You've got to understand your wife. I'm going through all this stuff. And it just wouldn't go in. And he rang me and he said to me, all of a sudden, I had a revelation. And God showed me I was loving my wife the way I wanted to be loved. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit counsellor comes in and teaches him what he's got to do. And she rang me up. She goes, what did you tell him? It's amazing. He apologised to me. He went, I said, I never told him anything. He told me that he gave in to Revelation John. His name's not John. He gave in to Revelation John rather than to Reason John. And I know tonight that if we can get hold of this, it can change our lives forever. Revelation Peter, Matthew 16. I touched on this when I was preaching here one time before, but I want to go further with it. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say. Do you know we have a church of the some say now? We have a church of the some say all over Australia. Some say it's the end times. Some say it's the Antichrist. Some say, and we've got Christians all running around listening to some say. But there's also some Christians, they are yumcha Christians. When you go and have yumcha, you don't even know what you're eating. They just keep bringing that trolley around. A bit of this, a bit of that. A bit of that. And sometimes when it comes to Christianity, 
Oh, we have a little bit of T.D. Jakes. We have a little bit of this. We have a little bit of that. We have a little bit. Oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, but I do agree with this. And we've got the some say and yumcha Christianity. And Jesus is talking to the disciples. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven, listen, has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from a human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Jesus asked the disciples to tell him who others said he was. Jesus did not ask this question because he didn't know who he was. He didn't ask the question like, guys, I'm a bit confused here. Can you find out what people think I am? I remember in the early days as a youth pastor, I used to get, people would shake hands at the door. Uh, we, we pastors would stand at the door and shake hands. And one Sunday, people would say, you're an evangelist. Another Sunday, nah, you're a pastor. Another time, I was, I was a bit of everything. And, and I got a bit confused. I thought, which one of them am I, God, you know? But I'm glad that proximity brings clarity. See, Caesarea of Philippi was an area associated with idols and rival deities. The area was scattered with temples of the ancient Syrian Baal worship. Right by Caesarea Philippi, there was a great hill in which there was a deep cavern, and that cavern was said to be the birthplace of the great god Pan, the god of nature. Go and read Romans chapter one. Look at what we're doing in our nations. We worship nature and we want to save the planet, but we've got no interest in the God who made it. In Caesarea Philippi, there was such a great temple of white marble built to the God of Caesarea. And Jesus deliberately sets himself against the background of the world's religions in all their history and splendor and asks to be compared to them. And I prophesy tonight in the name of Jesus that we're about to move into an era where the clarity of who Jesus is is gonna be seen in our nation and all these other woke cultures and cancel cultures. You can't cancel Jesus and you won't be able to woke him and I, well, you'll be able to wake him. But, um, and I wanna tell you, we're moving, I'm getting excited because we're moving into a time of clarity where we can say, who does Jesus think he is? And we know who he is and we can declare who he is. I believe that. Appointed question and appointed answer. The disciples answered with a some say, but Peter said, you are the Christ. Listen to it in the message. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or podcasts. Oh, sorry, I just added that in. Or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. We have a mental health problem in our society today. And one of it is identity. And one of the reasons is when you don't know who God is, you'll never know who you are. And because of that, we move into this area of confusion. Is the world a better place today because we've ignored God? No, it's not. 
And so when Peter has clarity of who Jesus is, he immediately finds his identity. Jesus says, Pete, now you know who I am. Let me tell you who you are. I'm glad I have an identity in Christ. I know who I am. But he doesn't just give me an identity. He gives me a destiny. And he says, hey, listen, now that you know who I am, I'm going to show you who you are and you're going to build my church. And gives him a destiny. And he goes, but not only that, I'm going to give you authority for that destiny. Whatever you, you know, the, the gates of hell are not going to stop what I'm calling you to do. And because of that authority, you're going to have victory. And the world doesn't have that, but neither does the church that lives in reason. But when we step into revelation, we can step this out in our own lives and mental health issues will change. I, I have a nephew of mine. He rang me five minutes before the service and he's happy for me to tell you the story. And a few weeks ago, he was about to take his own, in, own life. And I'm in church on a Sunday worshiping God and I get a phone call from his auntie and I, I saw my phone going off. I walked outside. She's screaming on the phone. I jump in the car. I go to the house. He had just tried to take his life. And in the last nine or ten weeks now he's gone off medication uh, God's doing a work in his life he's finding purpose in his life let me tell you friends while I understand that some mental health issues need uh, professional uh, medication and that and I'm not trying to uh, sometimes you can't explain everything you're saying but let me tell you there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of stress that can be touched and healed at the feet of Jesus when we come into proximity with him a close encounter with Jesus can help this issue so much. We all can live with positive revelation. And yet Peter, a few verses later, steps into reason. Verse 21 to 23, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples. I won't read it all for time tonight. I want to get to the praying time. But, you know, Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go and give my life. And Peter goes, no way in the world. You're not going to do that. I won't let that happen to you, Jesus. I'm your man. I'm your man. You've just told me my destiny. You've just show, showed me my identity. Do you think I'm going to let that happen to you? And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, because you're thinking from a human point of view. You see, reason is in a human point of view. I can't live with him because he's not my type. Or I can't do this, or we can't do that. And, and, and reason speaks to us every day. In fact, my wife knows when I'm praying. Because Revelation Daddy's a lot nicer to live with. But when reason Daddy steps in, she goes, I think you better go and pray. Another time Peter lives out of reason, and he says to Jesus, I will never deny you. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you, Jesus replied. I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter's going, no way. No way. Peter meant well. Danny reason or reason Danny means well. But in our humanity, we don't have the ability to be able to do the things that only revelation can do through us. We all do it. We go over to John chapter 18. And now he does it again. And there's a whole group of people warming their hands by the fire. And they go up to Peter and they go, aren't you one of his followers? Nah, don't know him. This is the Peter of Revelation. Now he steps into reason and he's warming his hands by a coal fire. Just remember that. We'll come back to it in a moment. 
He was warming his hands by a coal fire. One of the guys go, aren't you the guy that chopped my brother's ear off or my cousins or one of my mates? Nah, don't know what you're talking about. How can he be the same guy? How can he go from revelation to reason? Well, I don't know about you, but I do it every day. Every day when I get out of bed, I think of the hurts, the disappointments sometimes. Occasionally, still can't get my head around my son's passing. And I start thinking maybe this and maybe that and reason and what about this? And if I don't have a spot to get Revelation Danny awakened, you give up on life. You give up on things. And the result of Peter's reason led to his reaction, his retreating and running away. Do you know how many people have left the church and COVID's got nothing to do with it? Got nothing to do with COVID. It's to do that reason Christianity has been more prominent in their life than Revelation. And because of that, we've got to have something to blame. And so we blame the pandemic. Try telling the Christians in China who meet underground and are willing to be murdered for their faith And we won't go because not everybody's wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Now, please, it requires more conversation and I've probably just created a problem. But anyway, step out of your reason and come into revelation because that's where things change. This led to discouragement, disappointment, detachment and disappearing. Don't tell me that's not happening today. Discouragement is leading to disappointment, to detachment and disappearing. No longer the Peter of proximity with Jesus, all because he allowed reason to take over. Reason leads to lack of proximity and it's just what the enemy wants. Can I tell you what Satan's greatest plan for you is? To isolate you, to isolate you. But the good news is Peter's life returns again and he comes back. See, I prophesy again, I use those words very carefully. There's a great coming home. Peter, people that left the church for reason reasons are gonna come home because of revelation. I see Jesus revealing himself to people, the grace of God coming and people, and let me tell you, when they come home, let's not make them feel bad. When they come home, let's love on them. When they come home, let's show them the love of God because you can be in reason like Peter, but you can return to revelation. And so in John chapter 21, we see that Peter in reason goes back to reason living, he'd started as a fisherman, now he goes back to fishing. He goes back to reason and he's pretty ticked. But then one day they're out fishing, they can't catch anything and here we see revelation begin to happen. Jesus is on the beach, he sees that they're not catching anything, he gets involved and they get this big catch of fish and then all of a sudden Peter goes, it's the Lord. It's the Lord and he jumps out of the boat and he runs to the shore and there's Jesus cooking breakfast by a coal fire. It's the only two times you'll see it in the New Testament that I can see that it's actually mentioned coal fire. So the night he denies Jesus, he's by a coal fire. Now he's running towards the beach and Jesus is cooking breakfast with a coal fire. Can you imagine what would have gone through Peter's head? I denied him. I lied about him. I was so bad to him. 
I didn't follow through on my commitment. And Jesus doesn't say, about time you came to your senses. About time you pulled your head in. What was wrong with you? No, Jesus is Pete. Do you love me? Do you love me? Then get back to what I called you to do. Get back to what I asked you to do and get back to revelation. And Peter gets back into revelation. And so uh, I am so moved tonight that I, I, I want to say to you, there's a lot of people that even left the ministry that are coming back. They might do it a little different, but there's people coming home. And I want to tell you, when you've really had a revelation of who Jesus is, reason won't satisfy you. Reason won't meet your needs. All the money in the world ain't going to change anything because you've got to come running back to the revelation that you had of him. Jesus waits for Peter to come back to revelation. Can you imagine what that was like? And you know, I want the musicians to come, but when he stood by that coal fire on the beach, he would have thought of his call. I was called. He would have thought of his crash. But more important, the compassion of his Jesus to welcoming home. We all live daily with reason and we all live daily with revelation. I haven't got time to share the full bit of this, what I normally teach on this, and that is I can't go a day pretty well without coming to the Bible with expectation. Say, God, you want to speak to me. So I'm going to meditate and have expectation while I meditate, and then I'm going to write down the application you want me to apply in my life. I'm not saying this boastfully, but I haven't preached anybody's sermon or borrowed something I've heard online. Not that that's wrong if it's saying what you already feel. So I'm not having to go at that fully, but I don't need to because I'm not out to be a great preacher. I want to be a great reacher. And when I give you what God showed me, and so Pastor Mark knows the story. But a couple of weeks ago, a gentleman came to see me. He came with reason and his decisions were gonna be very destructive. Two, three in the morning, God wakes me up a few days later and said, you need to sit with this guy. And this is where this message has come from in the way I brought it tonight and tell him that he's living out of reason, not revelation even though he has a call of God on his life. I sat with him and I said this, Revelation you knows you're called. Revelation you knows you're gifted. Revelation you, you knows that you can stand on a platform and you'll grab people's attention. But reason you is a bully. Reason you is a control freak. Reason you is treating your wife and kids very poorly. And let me tell you, it all goes back to your childhood. When you were a kid, this is what happened to you. And as I started going through the list, he burst into tears in a restaurant. Imagine two guys, one of them bursts into tears in a restaurant and everybody's looking at us, probably wondering whether we were breaking up or something. I don't know. And he's bawling his eyes out. He goes, nobody's ever explained it like that to me. No one. He says, I guess I need to surrender to revelation, me. 
because reason me really sucks right now. And we've seen God turn a situation around. It's got a long way to go. But we've seen a, a turnaround that could have ended up being a catastrophe by that revelation. That when I get up in the morning, I have to decide, do I want to live by revelation me? Or do I want to live by reason me? Because the two of us are there. And it's made me understand Christians more. It's made me absolutely love Christians more. Because I say, how can they be like that and be a Christian easily? Look at Peter. But what gets me is you get to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter's about to die. He's about to go to heaven. And he writes in 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock. Don't do it because you have to. What was Peter doing? He was telling us his testimony. He wasn't giving us instructions. He said, you know, there was a time on the beach when Jesus took me back and said, Pete, if you love me, feed my sheep. Look after the flock. Now at the end of his life, he's going, shepherd the flock. Then you read in 1 Peter 5, cast your care upon him because he cares for you. What about that night on the lake? There's a storm. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. And he goes to wake up Jesus. Peter does. He says, don't you care that we perish? Now as an old man, cast your care. Because I lived in reason once. And I tried to wake up Jesus and tell him what to do. But when I gave in to Revelation, I cast my care upon him. We got through that storm. Humble yourself before mighty God. Let me prophesy tonight one of the greatest keys to revival about to hit our nation is humility. Humble yourself before mighty God. What about the night that Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter goes, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. Reason Peter goes, no way in the world. But then revelation comes. He goes, wash all of me. I feel like Peter, I'm all or nothing. Wash all of me. Humble yourself. Stay alert. For the devil roams around like a roaring lion. Stay alert. What about the night in the garden of Gethsemane? And Jesus says to reason Peter and disciples, can't you pray with me for an hour? They fell asleep. And now Peter as an old man goes, don't fall asleep. Stay alert. He was telling us his testimony of reason, Peter, to revelation, Peter. I close with this, and it might be a two-point closure, but I close with this. I got on my knees the other day at home. I'm starting to do a bit more of that now, mainly because I can't stand for long. But anyway, I got on my knees and I started to think of every major decision in my life. Do you know when I handed my church over, God had fulfilled 10 promises that He gave me when we started it and was able to tick every one of them off. He never told me when He gave me those promises that my son would die, that another son would hit the wall and all these things would happen. And I said to God, you knew I was going to go through all this stuff. And He goes, yes, I did. And I knew you would handle it because I trusted you to go through that. I didn't make it happen but you stayed in revelation. 
And I went through all the decisions I made as a pastor, walk, driving down a main road in Adelaide, walk, going past a building, and the Holy Spirit goes, that's your building. No money, no deposit, and the building wasn't for sale. That became our building because of revelation. So my son Michael and his wife Amanda were awakened by God in the night and told to go to the port Adelaide and to go where the, the broken people are and the people in need. And he was so broken about it. He goes, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And they're driving home. They go up this main road. They stop for petrol. The kids are in the car. And at the corner of the petrol station is a man selling a painting, asking for food. My dad had given my son a hundred bucks. Nonos give their grandkids money. And he gives this guy the money. And the guy looks at him and he goes, I just want to thank you. I've got a message for you. He had a big painting of the Dreamtime Turtle. He goes, this is the Dreamtime Turtle that came into Port Adelaide and brought healing through Port Adelaide. I just want you to tell Uncle Danny, thank you for what he's done in the community. Michael's freaking out. This guy doesn't know me. And then says, and I want to thank you for what you're going to do for my people in Port Adelaide. Michael's a mess. They've just been in Port Adelaide praying for God to reveal whether this was meant to be. They get in the car, they go around the corner, they go, no, we're going to go back. And how does he know dad? He goes back, they couldn't find him. Just disappeared. Maybe an angel, I don't know, but a messenger by revelation. And now 2,000 people a week are being fed because of revelation. And reason Christianity goes, you're mad. Why are you doing that? You know, you could be writing songs. You could be making a heap of money. You could be going around the world. Because why would I want to do that? You see, when we become revelation-led, our lives are transformed and I look back over every major decision I've made in my life, reason Danny wouldn't have made it. Leave Adelaide. Take your family up to Brisbane. It wasn't reason. It was revelation. And today we enjoy the blessing of that. I believe that like me, and I'll do it with you tonight, we can make a commitment and say, God, help me to feed the right one. I don't want to feed reason. I want to feed revelation. And when I get up every morning, say, God, let revelation speak to my life. It's just the illumination of the Word. And I, as I was flying in here, the Lord said, tell the people if they put it in, I'll pull it out. Flying here, the Lord said, tell the people if they put my Word into them. They come expecting every day and journal. I got my journal with me. I don't even need it. I bring it up on the platform with me. Because if my iPad goes off, I can just go to my journal. If I put it in every day, there's something to come out. And if we put it in, God will bring it out. And when He brings it out, you won't just have a moment. I'm praying. I was praying this afternoon for your conference that's coming up. And this is what came into my heart. If people will come and have a moment with me, I will turn it into movement. And I'll take that movement and I'll turn it into momentum. Oh, that's better than a poke in the eye with a blunt stick, honestly. 
And I, Mark, I prophesy, Nina, for this conference coming up, that people won't just come for a quick fix and come at it with reason, but they'll come with revelation and a moment will turn into movement and the movement will turn into momentum in Jesus' Name. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise.